Magic cards. Magic cards. So what are we, uh, hello everyone. How's, how's everyone doing all on the, the internets? They're probably doing well. I hope so. I hope so too. That's good. Thank you for tuning in. As always, I am Dylan Moore, and Jury is over there fumbling with his computer trying to get it to work. I'm trying real hard, but I'm Jury. Good. Uh, we are, we have a very special show today. Uh, we're, we're going to be talking about Oath of the Gatewatch. I think Jerry finally got his computer working, so the oath of the computer has come through. Yeah. And I make a pact to uh, watch over this Word document. Jumalon's pact. The Jumalon pact. That's good. Um, so yeah, we're talking about Oath of the Gatewatch, and when we're done with that, giving you a little overview of the set, talking about some interesting cards, we are going to talk about modern, and, and particularly banning and unbanning in car- of cards, in our opinion on that. Yeah, so when is when is the updated list come out? That will be the 18th, which hopefully will be a day or two after this podcast comes out. We can hope so. Yeah. Uh, the plan is to get this out as a sort of prediction for bannings and not a sort of post-mortem, but we'll see. <laughs> so, uh, as always, Jerry and I run a, a blog called friendlymulligan.tumblr.com. You can find it there. And we are always here, forever, eternally, at Galaxy Games in the wonderful downtown Deland, Florida. Uh, yeah. So we can get right into the good stuff. Oath of the Gatewatch. Oath of the Gatewatch. The Oath of the Four Gatewatch. The new super friends of magic. The, they're the... They're... Are like Marvel heroes. Yeah, yeah. Basically. They're like the Marvel super team. Yeah. It's, the, the Avengers. It's, it's funny because we've been calling Planeswalker decks Super Friends decks for years, and now there's literally a Super Friends. Yeah. There's, there's cards that even support a Super Friends archetype if you want, aren't so inclined to try to build that. Yeah. What's it called? The, uh, the Oaths. Yeah, the Oaths and the, the Tudor. Um, super Friends Call Assemble. of the Gatewatch. Yeah, super call Friends of Assemble, sure. Yeah. We'll go with that one. Yeah, Call of the Super Friends. Uh, it's, wow. it's, it's interesting to see some cards specifically aimed at Planeswalkers. Yeah. This is the most Planeswalker-centric a set has ever been, and probably will ever be. Yeah, most definitely. Which, it should be interesting to see how it pans out, and if it's, it's received well. I mean, obviously it doesn't do much for limited. I mean, you don't like the flavor text that for every Planeswalker you control, you can scry? Yeah, all of the Oath cards, I'm, I'm not trying to open any of them in limited. They all have an, another line of flavor text that doesn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, with that, Oath looks like a good set. Are you excited, Jerry? I am actually pretty excited about Oath. It's <laughs> like the most canned excitement I've ever heard. I mean, like, I don't know how to explain it, but mm-hmm. I look at the cards and they're all good. They're, they all good? look surprisingly good compared to, compared to what we had out of uh, oh, Battle. Yeah. I mean, if they're, if they're setting us up with, with such a low power set, I can only hope that this will knock it down with high power. Yeah, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised with power levels on the cards. And in general, they do look powerful. It'll be interesting to see if they're as good as they seem to be, but that's something that we can only know in time. Uh, with that, uh, we uh, have three little sections here. Jury and I have each picked five cards we think are interested in uh, standard, three cards we think are interested in limited, and one card that we think are interested in non-rotating formats. Dylan had wrote Eternal, Eternal, and I was confused because I wasn't sure if that included Modern or not. They're all Eternal formats. They're always here, is what that means to me. They're if, the Eternal Pilgrim. If, if you say so. They're not Eile. Eile probably won't see much play in Eternal formats. You don't think? I don't think. Yeah, she'll probably have a, a Commander deck or two to show yeah. her, but yeah, other than that. So I guess we should uh, 
start with limited cards is where I wanted to start. So uh, we can sort of, I don't know, how do we do this? Do we just yell all the cards that we think simultaneously at each other as loud as we can? Probably. Okay. No, wait, actually, let's just go through them one by one alternating. That sounds like a terrible idea. We'll, we'll try it and see how it goes. If you say so. So, Jerry... And I guess we should say these are obviously things we think are interested in a limited, interesting in a limited environment. Things to look out for and just things that might sort of shape a limited environment. Obviously, none of these are going to be terribly powerful, probably, because they'll probably be commons and uncommons. I think I only picked commons and uncommons. I didn't yeah. pick any rares. Because generally, that is, those are the cards that you will see in limited. Right. Yeah. So, Jerry, why don't you start us out? Give us a card. I'm going to pick a real boring card to start off. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sweep away. Good old sweep away. Sweep away. So for those who aren't familiar, it's two and a blue, instant. Return target creature to its owner's hand. If that creature is attacked, you may put it on top of its owner's library instead. Yeah, this is definitely something to look out for. It seems like one of the, the premier tricks in the format. Yeah, and I I love effects that put a creature onto your top of your deck. Oh, yeah. It's like... So you get rid of the threat, and you... and and their next draw is effectively yeah. blanked. You lock them out of a draw. Right. I. It's a tempo play, like no other. It's not even necessarily... Like, it is a tempo play, mm -hmm. but at the same time, say, like, late game, yeah, they, yeah. they have a few threats, and you're just trying to stabilize. You put a card... You put a weak threat back atop their deck so they don't draw anything good. Yeah. That's fine. It's, it's good stuff. And, yeah, the classic, I guess, time ebb is two and a blue to put it on top at sorcery speed. Mm -hmm. So... This isn't exactly a direct upgrade, because it only goes on top of their attacking, but it's... Uh, it's an it, interesting take on that yeah. effect. We, we see this effect, like, all the time. We had um, the Scry version in, in Origins, oh, and yeah. we had the blue-white version with Awaken yeah, in Battle. Yeah. So it's a, it's a staple effect for blue, mm -hmm. and this one, being instant speed, is definitely a combat track you have to look out for if your opponent's holding up exactly. green, have a blue, and, and you don't want this to happen to you. And in a pinch, it can just bounce a creature. Yeah. It doesn't. It's not an only attacking creature. It's a card that's flexible enough to be really usable if you're on the defense or on the offense. Yeah, and flexibility is super important, especially in a, a limited format where exactly. you just need to kind of be able to do different things. Oh yeah, very much so. So moving on here, I want to. We're going to try to stay ahead of the clock as much as we can. Uh, the first card that I picked was a removal spell as well, Oblivion Strike. You mean probably the best. Removal is that common? This thing is common. Yeah, that's the best removal in the format. Common. So, for those of you not in the know, Oblivion Strike is three colorless and one black. Exile target creature. Nothing. There, there's no catch. Well, it's devoid. If, that's not really a catch. A drop, yeah, it's technically a positive in most cases. I mean, I'll I will take a blanket four mana removal limited. Yeah, sorcery speed, obviously, but. At common, this is gonna make I don't know. I think this might just push black to be insane and limited. I could see it as a very strong like second and third pick. I, I'm not gonna feel bad taking this out of my first pack, man. It like honestly, probably there's a lot of strong uncommons in the yeah. set though. But but if you end up with just all weak uncommons and a garbage rare, this is this is something to take. Uh, and honestly, standard playable? No. No? No. Standard saw a lot of complete disregard. Yeah, but that's People one. completely disregarded that card, and then it broke out. Yeah. A plus. I'll yeah. give it, like, a B. 
But I don't know. I, I would not be surprised if this snuck its way into a couple standard control decks at a common. I, I feel like you have better options. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. You have... Um, complete disregard. Com complete disregard. What I, I want removal right now is not amazing. I wanted to say, uh, what was the the Theros exile creature? Oh, silence the believers. Silence, but that's not standard. But we silence have, a, the yeah, If you if you're in white, you have utter utter end. Yeah, I guess you have alternatives for being in different colors. So it's not hard to be in different colors in this like, format. Yeah, white gives you utter end, and then white just gives you like stasis snare yeah, in stasis general. Snare. But if you're not playing white, I don't know. The card doesn't look bad. If you say so, but I'm not gonna hold my breath of seeing that. Anywhere constructed. Fair enough. I'd be surprised if I saw one of. In any case, nuts and limited. Absolutely nuts. Yes, that card's a bomb limited. All right, Jerry, give us another card. Oh, Cultivator Drone. Cultivator oh, that's a blue card. Drone. Yeah, so this is a two in blue. Mm -hmm. It's a creature Eldrazi drone with the void, and it has an attack ability that says add colorless to your mana pool. Spend this mana only to cast a colorless spell, activate a colorless ability. Or pay a cost that contains uh, colorless. So mana ramping in blue. Yeah. Interesting um, stuff. On a, like, so a, a three mana two three is serviceable. It's oh, not yeah. like something you're excited to pick, but you'd play no. it. And this has a very good ability. Yeah, it's like it, it ramps in the set that you want ramp. It ramps and it color fixes. Oh, that's true. Well, color fixes. Color, like, yes. It colorless fixes. Colorless, okay, that'll catch on. Colorless fixes. Yeah, colorless fixes. There we go. Which, both, just, that is such a good ability. I don't know how to explain that very yeah. well, but it's just very solid. It's a, it's a powerhouse. It's, it's really just an engine in a deck. Right. It'll ramp you to your big things. It'll give you your colorless, your utility creatures that need it as an activation. And to me, it's, I mean, it looks a lot like a mini uh, Kozilex Channeler. Yeah, which was a good card. Which was a very That was a good card. card. Yeah. And this one is, this one's common too. Common as well. Yeah, this one's common. So you'll see these, you'll see a few of these. And I honestly, I would not be sad to pick up two, three, or four of these. Oh, yeah. In, in blue, a color that's probably going to be slower in a deck and have more late game, it'll probably do some good work. <laughs> Alrighty. My second card is Netcaster Spider, an old friend. Uh, speaking, of, speaking of two threes for three mana, uh, Netcaster Spider is two colorless mana, one green for a two three with reach, and whenever it blocks a creature with flying, Netcaster Spider gets plus two plus oh until end of turn. So let me explain to you why this card is amazing. Oath of the Gatewatch is busted with flyers. I mean, like, absolutely bonkers. More flyers than you usually see in a set. The, the evasion is is interesting. The amount of evasion, and I think I read somewhere, probably on Reddit, where someone mentioned that it might be because of the two-headed giant focus. That would make sense. Where games tend to get stalled out, especially on the ground, so exactly. having evasion lets you actually progress the game. That makes a lot of sense, actually. And because of this, you see white being, like, it has more than a few flyers at common for two and three mana. Yeah, there is there is a lot of flyers. There's a few unblockables in the set. There, mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely interesting. And, and Netcaster Spider lines up against those very well. Like, most of the flyers are either two twos or two threes. And when Netcaster Spider, well, would block it, it just completely eats it. So that's why I think that this card is is a very, very useful tool, and look out for picking this up in, in any sort of green deck. Either yeah. defensive or offensive, it, it can play a role. Yeah, like like I mentioned earlier, 2-3 three for 3 is still serviceable. Exactly. You'll still end up just playing it as a vanilla, and 
the fact that it basically kills every flyer that you wanted to is is just gravy. Oh yeah. So give us another one, Jerry. Uh, let me look for one real quick. Jerry didn't have a third card? No, I have been terribly busy this week, and I was not able to find one. Shame, Jerry. But you know, we'll pick... <laughs> Thumbs through the spoilers quickly and picks a random we'll card. We'll pick Spark Mage's Gambit. Do you think that's good? Yes. I don't even know what this card does. Wow! Okay. So Spark Mage's Gambit is mm -hmm. one in a red. Mm -hmm. It's a sorcerer speed, and Spark Mage's Gambit deals one damage to each of up to two target creatures, and they can't block this turn. Wow, sounds terrible. Why do you like this? Okay, first of all, honestly, like, first of all, let me think of a reason. <laughs> let me think real quick. Um, dealing one damage to um to two target creatures is not bad. Like, yeah, it, it's pretty bad. It, it the thing is, you can use it say, like, post-combat after, you're, say, you're, oh, I'm attacking my 2-2 two -two into this X-3. They're gonna block it. Well, maybe, maybe I'll want to kill that in an X-1. So it's still, it's a one-for-one one on both ends. One-for-one, one, in quote. It's a one-for-one. One. You lose two cards, they lose two cards, right? If, if that happens in the way you planned it. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, just being able to ping random things, I think, is important. There are, there are several X-1s yeah, this in this format. True. And and bleeding through from battle as well. There are a lot of yeah. There, there's a lot of X ones in battle for sure. And that's um, I mean, what was it, Boiling Earth or whatever that's called? Yeah, the, with Awaken. Really yeah, that card saw saw a good amount of play. Right. So I I think this one's definitely serviceable, and I like I like the second clause. The they can't block. Mm -hmm. So late game when they have big things, yeah, it's not a dead card necessarily. No. Like sometimes it just lets you Alpha Strike and win. Yeah, a, a good. Uh, removing blockers spell in red has never been a bad thing to just right. throw onto a deck. So, let me ask you a question. Would you just blindly main deck this card? I would... Am I aggressive? I'm not an aggressive red you're, deck. You're an aggressive red-green deck. I'm an aggressive... I would probably at least main deck the first one. It <laughs> might be a card that I side out pretty often. Fair enough. But... I'd I would keep it in. Yeah, I'd say the the metric is if you can use it for both of its abilities, it's worth playing. Yeah. If you care about getting in with creatures probably earlier and you care about uh, taking off little chunk blockers, then it's playable. Right. Good stuff. My final card is... War... Jwar? Jwar? Jwar. Jwar Isle Avenger. Card, speaking of very good flyers in the format, uh, War Isle Avenger is four colorless mana, one blue mana, three three flying, but it has a surge cost of two colorless and a blue. Okay, so let's let's just talk about surge for a second here. Oh yeah. How often do you think surge comes up in, in a 1v1 game? In a 1v1 game, uh, I'd say not incredibly often, but often enough to count. Do you think there's a surge deck? Do you think there's a limited surge deck? There are tools for it. I mean, they, they threw in a lot of cantrips. I mean, I don't know if two counts as a lot. Yeah, I mean, they're common. Okay, okay, they are common. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I think that you can play a deck with surge cards in it and put things in that make surge better, but I don't think you should go out and try to build a surge deck. Right, so, so at what point... Do you do you draft? So you draft these surge cards. At what mm -hmm. point do you start highly rating the cantrip cards? Well, if I have a couple, uh, like say I have a couple War Isle Avengers, I'd probably end up like I wouldn't take it over amazing cards, but I would 
probably start thinking when there were decent cards in the pack if I just want to go for the synergy, to be honest. Okay. That sounds about right. Getting this out on, I guess it'll never be earlier than turn, well, Bonesaw. It could be out on turn yeah, I don't three. think you play Bonesaw. No, it's it's not worth playing Bonesaw. Please, for the love of God, people don't play don't Bonesaw. Don't play Bonesaw. That's just wrong. But uh, you, for getting it out, a 3-3 three, three flyer on turn four, it could just be worth it. I, I, I agree. Yeah. I like the... I like the both cantrips actually in the set, so yeah. I think I think seeing they're both it on just turn, playable to be honest. Yeah, seeing it on turn four would be, would be pretty good. Yeah, and the even more important question: How good is Surge in two-headed giant? Oh, uh, amazing! Yeah, like you will be hard pressed to find a time that you're not surging. Right, and there are. In Two-Headed Giant, there are a lot of good surge cards. Oh, there. yeah. If you just know you're casting things for their surge cost, which in Two-Headed Giant you are, the cards get nuts. There's the, um, the surge fireball, right? Oh, my God. You can target two players with that, which means it's a fireball that does double damage for X. I, I foresee a lot of games ending that way. So keep that in mind. Yeah. When you're thinking about holding up counter magic, keep that in mind. And yeah, that is War Isle Avenger. I think it's just a very good value card all around. Even if you're just getting a, a five mana three three flyer, you take it. Yeah, I, honestly, a five mana three three flyer is pretty on par. Yeah. That's about what you spend for that, anyways. Exactly. So the the ability to cast it for cheaper is nice. Mm -hmm. So that uh, kind of wraps up our, our limited card of interest segment. Uh, moving on. We're going to talk about some interesting cards in Standard, or things that we think might make a splash in Standard. Now, Jerry, how many Standard cards have you picked? I have four. Oh, you have four? Yeah. That's pretty good. That's one less than five, which is what I was asked for. Oh, hey. That's, you're almost, you're like a B minus, C plus. I'll take that. Okay. Uh, do you want to start us off with yeah. something in Standard? I'll start off with um, Sylvan Advocate. So sure. this is the one in a green, Elf Druid Ally. 2-3 Vigilance, and as long as you control 6 or more lands, Sylvan Advocate and land creatures you control get plus 2, plus 2. Hmm. So what kind of deck do you think this would fit in? Mid-range decks, Mid -range basically. Decks? decks that like like getting to that 6 land point mm -hmm. and having a good beater. So you're saying you're not going to play this to actually ever pump lands? No, you... I think you. I don't think you build a land deck around this card. Okay, it's not that good in that way. No, I don't think you build a land deck around this card. But you're playing, say, like Abzan. You're playing the the two two death touch land. You're playing Shambling Vents. Oh sure, sure. Now it's a four four death touch. Now it's a four five life linker. It's pretty good. Yeah, like I can see this filling the role of uh, a lot of the the Abzan decks one and two drops that just like having a value. Like three three ahead yeah. of curve. Like uh, the so you have um so warden of the first tree is their one drop and yeah. has value late game becomes a, it's a three three can get bigger and then their two drop spots are like used to be fleece main lion used to be fleece main used to be rock shot so what do they play now I know air saw a little bit of play because that could be yeah, conditionally yeah. three three and also a death touch um. Stuff like that, just in general. Yeah, just something that's generally good throughout the game. Something that's ahead of curve when it comes out and also has late game value. And this one has incredible late game value. Oh, yeah. I like the, the 4 or 5 for 2 mana. Yeah. You could feasibly play this and activate your land that turn to swing in for a bunch. Oh, that's true. You, you get like 7 8 mana, have a shambling vent. Yeah. Send it in. So, 
I like this one for standard. Yeah, I, I think it could definitely fit into that deck, especially as uh, as more pieces rotate out of that deck. Mm -hmm. Alrighty, my first card is Emoliating Glare. Oh baby, immolating? Isn't it emoliating? It's immolate. Mm, emoliating. You, you can say that, but it that sounds is... so much better as emoliate. It's not. It's like molten, right? No, it's like immolate, like. To catch on a fire. Like molten, like fire, right? That doesn't mean that's how you pronounce that word. Dylan, just go go, go tell us what the card is. So it's a one colorless and white instant, and it has four beautiful words. Four simple, clean words. Destroy target attacking creature. It would be better with three words than just a destroy target creature. You know, we get what we can take in white removal. Honestly, yeah. yeah. This one's really good. I like this, and it's an uncommon. Yeah. This is uncommon, so you'll see this in drafts. Exactly, it'll be a thing that comes up. But white has never really gotten very straightforward removal as far as two mana goes. It's never gotten better removal than black in standard for a while now. Since probably half. Yeah. But those are, uh, that's, a, that's a dark time anyway, of standard. But, so to see such a straightforward and cheap removal cost in standard gives me some faith in wizards, to be honest. Yeah, I, I like this card, and I'm gonna, I expect to be on the receiving end of this uh, pretty often, given my aggressive tendencies. Yeah, like, I'm a, I'm a man, I'm, a sword to plowshires is being held in front of me. Plowshires. Yes, plowshires, back on the plowshire farm. Yes, I know white has gotten good removal before. Um, but I don't know if you call that before. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit ago. A little bit. But, what was I saying? Uh, I'm, I'm a man who's played a, a Swift Justice, is that what it's called? Yeah, that, yeah, that's the one with Spell Mastery to give it instant. Yeah. Right. I'm a man who's played a Swift Justice and enjoyed it, so this just not being able to hit blocking creatures, but always being instant, I'll take it. I agree. I, I like this card, and I think we'll be seeing any number of uh, white control or mid-range decks playing this card. Exactly. Mid-range might be a little more, more on the sideboard, but... The control decks, I think they'll be they'll be running this deck. If you're white and you're control, card's expect good. to be expect to play the card. For yeah, a expect while. to play the card. Yeah, give us another one, Jerry. Uh, we're gonna get another white card. Oath. No, I did Oath of Gideon. Oh, we messed up. No, that's fine. All well, right, you can have Oath of Gideon. Go ahead. Thank you. Uh, Oath of Gideon is two and a white. It's a it's one of the cycles of the oaths. It's a legendary enchantment, and it reads. When Oath of Gideon enters the battlefield, put two 1-1 white core ally creature tokens onto the battlefield. Each planeswalker you control enters the battlefield with an additional loyalty counter on it. So at first glance, I didn't think this card was too good. I, me neither. Mm -hmm. I had the same initial reaction where I looked at it and I'm like, that's a bad raise alarm. Yeah, that's a very over-costed sorcery speed instant. Or uh, sorcery, sorcery speed, speed raise the alarm. Yeah, it, it wasn't very good. And then... I don't know if you brought this up to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, Some, someone had posted an article on it. It curves into Gideon and Sword. And, and that's a big yeah. deal. Both of those Planeswalkers coming down with, with an extra loyalty is broken. So so with an extra loyalty, Soren ults on turn 5. He goes from... So he starts on 5, you plus him to 6... If he survives, and you now have two ground blockers that are 2-1 lifelinkers, yeah. he then ults. And a Soren Emblem is not an easy thing for any deck to beat. Yeah, like, you 
Control decks have to play creatures nowadays. You see Ujitai, you see Solomgar. Yeah. And midrange. Any, yeah. And any every creature other deck. based deck is just done. So basically, if you're not playing the Sphinx's Tutelage deck, like yeah. that, that's all hard lock to beat. Yeah. So it is very smartly costed at three, I think, where most of the uh, Planeswalkers nowadays come at four. Right. And then we have Gideon, the man himself, mm-hmm. who now comes in at five and can ultimate right away. So you get that. That emblem, plus one, plus one. So now you have two two twos defending him, and he's still alive. He doesn't yeah. kill himself with the emblem this yeah. time. Gideon just coming down, making an emblem, and surviving. Right. Pretty nuts. So it, it's not so much this card is amazing, it's it's that it curves into yeah. two really good four-mana planeswalkers. It's, it's in a very good spot right now in standard, to say the least. Yeah. I, I would expect some decks built around this. I would not be surprised. Alrighty. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Kalitus, traitor of Get. Oh, this guy, Kalitus. Woman, the Kalisi. Is it a woman? Yeah. Sorry, my my mistake. It's not a woman. Get out of here. Are you sure? Kalitus is not. Kalitus is an she old is character. The one. She, there's yeah, there's Kalitus, blood chief of Get, which is that not is that dude. good of a card. How's that a dude? That is. I just had to remember what card it was. I would hope that is not a topless woman on this magic card. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, let's continue talking about Kalidus. Uh He is two colorless and two black, so four converted mana costs. Uh, for a legendary creature vampire warrior with lifelink. He's a 3-4 and has two abilities. The first saying, if a non-token creature an opponent controls would die, instead exile that card and put a 2-2 black zombie creature token onto the battlefield. And his activated ability is two and a black, Sacrifice a vampire or zombie, put two 1-1 counters on Kalidus, Traitor of Ket. So, I think I'd play this card even without that bottom yeah. section. Yeah. Uh, very comparable to uh, Anafenza, yeah. who locks your opponents out of uh, creatures hitting their graveyard, but instead of just doing that, you know, you get a 2-2 every time. I, like, this kind of hoses the rally decks, oh, the, yeah. the, the cutthroat decks with Nantuko Hus. And it's just a very, very good value creature. Yeah. A 3-4 four for 4 is pretty good. And add lifelink. Yeah. Sure. Why I'm, not? I'm playing black. I'm probably playing removal. So my removal spells now also make 2-2s. Two and your creatures are going to die eventually. Combat's going to happen unless you want to just completely avoid it. And this guy just gets gets to just sit on the board as a huge lifelinking threat. Getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, this is the mid-rangest card I've seen. Oh, yeah. Uh, at least for this set. And you know what's interesting? He's Vampire Zombie Tribal. And you know where we're going next? Um, we're going to Innistrad. We are going to Innistrad. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets better than he is now. That... I wouldn't be either. Yeah, a lot of the creatures in, in black and the colors you're playing with black in the near future are probably going to be vampires and zombies, so you're probably just going to be able to sacrifice them. The, the Grixis vampire zombie deck. It's coming. Because blue-black was zombies for Distrad yes. and red-black was vampires, right? Yeah, so it's right on color there. There we go. Oh, yeah. You heard it here first, Grixis vampire zombie tribal. They don't know what's coming, but it's coming. Yeah, Kalidus is just a very, very powerful card. Very well-rounded and low-cost. This thing's going to be a beater. I agree. Give us another one, Jerry. Uh, Goblin Dark Dwellers. Goblin Dark Dwellers. A terrible card that Jerry thinks is good. Let me pull it up. You, do you even know what it is? Oh, I do. If you say so. It's a slow caster mage. You're a slow caster mage. Thank you. Okay, so 
So for three in red red, you get a goblin who is a four four with menace. Wow, that's way under the the, the good creature cost. No, that's that's you like you'd play a mana for a four four menace. Yeah, like you'd play that normally, right? Oh yeah. Okay, okay. Well, let me go on. When it enters the battlefield, you may cast target instant or sorcery card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. Wow, he comes with like. A three damage spell. Attached? He comes with a crackling doom or a Kalogon's command, or even if you really want, like duress. That's so mediocre. That's so good. So mediocre. Imagine this: you're paying two mana, four four menace. You may, you have to cast the best incident or sorcery from your graveyard this turn. Three or less. Three or less. So not the best. Yeah. Yeah. The best CMC three or less. Yeah. Doesn't that read really good? Sounds okay. I'm gonna have to wait to be impressed. I think this card is really good. I think it, it could be playable with things like Crackling Doom still in the format, but when that rotates, when it rotates, we'll see. But it will be it will be in the it'll be in the format for a little bit. Yeah, they'll be together. Crackling Doom, Goblin Dark Dwellers, really good. Mm-hmm. And we'll then see. we'll see what happens with Shadows. Fair enough. We will see. Alrighty, and my final card, Chandra Flamecaller. Bad Chandra? Good Chandra, are you kidding me, man? So Chandra is four red red for a planeswalker that comes down at four loyalty. She has a plus one. So she's one. a six mana, four loyalty planeswalker. You, oh, yeah. you sold me. And she has a plus one, put two, three, one red elemental creature tokens with haste on the battlefield, exile them and end a turn. And zero, discard all the cards in your hand, then draw that many cards plus one. And finally, minus X, Chandra deals X damage to each creature. So she's um, she's a four mana board wipe. Yeah, she's well, a, she's a four damage board wipe for six. She's a, a small Ugin. She's an Ugin that costs two mana less. Is the way I see it. And dies. Sure, maybe. But the fact that she can just come down and secure all of the little threats on the board and just take anything out will make her a very, very good card, I think. Okay, so you're playing red, mm-hmm. and you're against a mid-range deck who doesn't have many small creatures. What oh, do cool, you, you side her out. But against <laughs> decks with many little creatures, plenty of tokens decks running around, plenty of little threat decks running around, she's a beating. Do you think that'll be the norm? Do you think this is main deckable? Main deckable, yeah. I could... Like, she's a finisher. She's something that sits on the board, threatens six damage every turn, and gets you a new hand if you need it. If you say so, I'm not convinced on this one. Well, I guess I'm, we'll see. We're pretty divided on the red cards, aren't we? Yeah, we'll see which of these red cards works out better then. Yes. All right. Um, do you want to just move on to my card? Yeah. Do you have anything more to say about Chandra? One final card? Uh, I actually have one other one after this. I thought about it. Oh, wow. I know. Proud I can't press. But for, for now, we'll go to uh, Storm Chaser Mage. Sure. So this is blue and a red. Uh, human Back wizard, yeah. flying haste prowess. Very um, straightforward. One three. I don't know if I said that already. Yeah, yeah. So we get a monastery swift sphere, but for blue we get flying and added point of toughness, mm-hmm. and I think that's good. You think that's good? I think that's solid. You think that's playable? I think that's playable in standard. Probably. Yeah. Well, I don't. I've seen some brews around for. Uh, actually, I don't know if it was for standard. Or not. I think it was modern, but. But the point stands. I think it's uh, I think it's playable. I think we'll see. I think we'll at least 
have people testing it and trying to see if there's some sort of aggressive yeah. is it tempo deck. All of the uh, the cards in this two color cycle were definitely seem like they've been pushed. Yeah. All of them are very well costed with very good abilities and power and toughness. So I wouldn't be surprised if any of them bleed through to uh, formats other than limited. This card though, I don't know. It doesn't feel like you're getting what you want. If if you're a Delver deck, you want your threat on turn one. You want your Swift Spear. I mean, you play it with Swift Spear. Like, you curve Swift Spear into this, great, they're still both one power this turn. That's fine. Is that fine? Yeah, this one's this one has evasion. I don't know. Like, the evasion makes it makes it very uh, attractive to me, but there is just such limited spots in sort of a tempo aggro deck for creatures that they just have to be value. They have to be a Delver or a, a Swift Spear, and we'll, well see if we're this not is a Delver or a Swift Spear. I think, I think it's like Swift Spear, like, 5 to 8. Swift Spear 5 to 8? Yeah. Okay. Maybe Swift Spear... 5 to 7? Swift Spear a little bit worse, 5 to 8. I think... I think it's good. I like it. Card's fine. Uh, I guess one of the better things about it is it dodges bolts. Kind of. Easier than Swift Spear does, does at least. Yeah, it does it easier than Swift Spear. We're, but we're not really talking... Are we, are we talking about modern now? I mean, in general, I guess. Sure. Just about this card. Right. It does dodge the two mana damage removal, which is what we have in standard. Yeah, there you go. So, it does, it's just clear of those. Yeah. There isn't really a lot of free damage. You can just resolve it and not have to keep something up to protect it. Right. In, in standard, at least. So, yeah, I think there's potential there. I think it just needs a home. I, I agree. Yeah. And give us your last card Tears of Valakut. Tears of Valakut. Um, so, this is a one in red instant. Tears of Valakut can't be countered by spells or abilities, and it deals 5 damage to a target creature with flying. Interesting. I like this I like this as a really good sideboard card. It's basically uncounterable plummet at this mm-hmm. point. But, in red. But against what? Against control. Control's like dragons. You, you side it in against... Control likes hexproof dragons. Uh, wow, okay. Well, you know, it doesn't kill Silmgar, but it kills Ujitai. Sometimes. They have to attack with it eventually. That's kind of why they play the card. They usually attack with it when they have uh, some way to protect it up. Oh, against the, the uncounterable spell? Well, fair enough. Okay. I, I mean, I guess how good this is in standard comes down to how played Uchitai is. And, and like, Colligan's seeing a lot of play. There's that Grinch's yeah. Thopter's deck. Just just a bit, I guess. So, I I like that it kills... Dragons. It kills yeah. basically every playable dragon except Solomogar. It's a it's an interesting sideboard option, and the uncounterable does definitely make it so much more desirable. That's what gives it really the punch. Right. Yeah. They're like, oh, I'll swing with Ugin because it's safe. I have counter magic. Well, good luck. Yeah. Exactly. Fair enough. And that wraps up our standard portion. So as a as a finale, what card do you think will make the biggest splash in non-rotating formats? Uh, Thought not here. Thought not seer. Thought not. Seer. I thought not. I <laughs> just an eyebrow raise, no rebuttal. Yeah. Thought not seer. So why do you think thought not seer would think to be played in eternal formats? It's kind of a mix of. Um, Don't you say Vendillion Click? Tide Hollow Scholar and Vendillion Click. Oh, you said Vendillion Click. It's like if they. You said the thing. If they had a relationship and, and had a very awkward bad child. I mean, after years. I mean, first of all, one of them is like an artifact dude who skulls around in, in some sort of river. True. And the other is a fairy. I don't know what kind of creature child you're expecting from the two of them. I thought not that. But 
but if exactly. I, you can't blame him for ending up looking like this. So I, I the reason I, I berate you for comparing it to Click is Click's instant speed, man. Click is instant speed, but Click also isn't a four-four. No, completely colorless except for the colorless cost. It has evasion. It does, but this one gets rid of the card. The card they're drawing is like probably forty percent chance that it's worse than the card that um, yeah that you took away. So it's not. They don't even get the same card back. I don't read the card. I should probably read the card. Uh, it's it's three and colorless mana. Mm -hmm. For an Eldrazi that reads, When Thought Knots here enters the battlefield, target opponent reveals his or her hand. You choose a non-land card from it and exile that card. And then when it leaves the battlefield, target opponent draws a card. Mm -hmm. So it, if it stays on board, you just exile their card. Yeah, it, it is very powerful in the fact that they don't get the card back till they kill it. Yeah, and it's not the card back. You take the best card yeah, and then you draw a card some back. random card. That could be worse, could be better, but most likely isn't as good as the best card you took from their hand yeah. at the time. Exactly. And, I don't know, if, if you play this in the Eldrazi modern deck, exiling it isn't irrelevant either. Yeah, exiling is super relevant. They play the Wasteland Strangler. Yeah. And the fact that it's colorless means it's... Easily splashable. I, I say that with quotes because easily because you do have a colorless cost, and I'm I'm curious if this pushes some decks towards more sort of filter land pain pain land mana base mm -hmm. just for the colorless. How many filter pain lands do you play before this comes playable? Is the question. Yeah. In a non dedicated like the Eldrazi deck. Yeah. Eight. Ten. Seven was a low. Nine is comfortable. Yeah. I would say nine is comfortable. Nine is comfy. Nine seven, I would worry. Seven, uh, seven. I, if I absolutely could not fit more colorless. I guess. I think uh, below eight, I would worry. I would really worry. Right. About things not matching up right. But I think I'll see play. I think it's very good. I think I'll definitely see playing the Eldrazi deck that's been coming up in modern. Oh yeah, it's a kind of odd control deck, so I think this fits right into it. Yeah. The the fact that you could play this um, for like two. Yeah. So say you have. Eldrazi Temple, or if you're playing the Heartless Summoning version 2. Yeah. Like, pay it for zero. Pay for zero. Well, sure. I guess uh, I guess colorless. have to pay the colorless. That's yeah. going to be fun to get used to. But then it's a it's a one mana 3-3 three, three that kind of does a Vendillion Clicks Tidehullers Color Dance. Yeah, there's value there. There is very good value. Good stuff. What did you pick? I picked, I picked the low-hanging fruit for really? this category. I picked Hissing Quagmire. The... So it is the uh, black green end of the battlefield tap to dual land, man land. So for one colorless, a black and a green, it becomes a two two with death touch until end of turn. I continue to be unimpressed with these man lands. Um, mm -hmm. This one included. Oh really? Not passing the bolt test. Yeah. In internal formats is rough. I think having a utility land with death touch is pretty good. Is I, think I think it's better than some of the alternatives. Oh, easily. It's not a, a 2-1 double striker for four. Don't get me wrong. God, hot garbage over there. But I don't, I don't, like, what deck would play this? I could see it maybe as a 1 or 2 of in some sort of black-green X deck. I see this as, like, a mandatory, mandatory 1 or 2 of in black-green Xs. Yeah. It is such utility. It, it's, it is... But I don't know if it sees that, that much play. True. And I guess... Like it, in Jun and Abzan. It would, it would fit more into a Jun strategy than it would an Abzan strategy. Like really Junding out an opponent. Right. Like really oh, yeah. running them out of resources. Because oh, if, if your land becomes a kill spell, 
Well, then you're in a pretty good value town. That's true. That's yeah. true. So, like, I I think it has as a one or two of in Black Green XX and Modern, okay. especially John. I'll take that. Yeah. And that actually uh, gets us to our final segment for the day very well: Modern bannings and unbannings. Yeah. So, do we start with bans or unbans first? Uh, I think I had a pile. We can do bans, bans first. Yeah. Uh, so, for those unaware, Modern gets a uh, ban list update every time a new set comes out. So, with Oath of the Gatewatch on the 18th, uh, Modern will maybe get cards unbanned, maybe get things banned, maybe nothing will change. Yeah, maybe. I think the last one, nothing changed? Yeah, the last two or three, even. Really? It's been it's no been changes. Yeah. So, it's been a while for Modern. Wizards is, is really showing that they have the patience to see the format settle before they ban things at this point. Uh, they had gotten a little bit trigger-happy, or maybe... Rightfully trigger happy yeah, with, with, with all the delve spells. Yeah. yeah. That was some good stuff. But yeah, so it, it leaves modern in this interesting position. Really, anything could happen. So, what is one card in the modern format that you would like to see or think will be banned? So, the high picking fruit would be. Um, the high picking fruit? The high picking The high hanging fruit? The high hanging? Sure, let's as, go with that. As opposed to the low hanging fruit? Sure, why not? So, you're getting up on your magic fruit ladder? Yeah. And you're, you're really going for that good fruit? Yeah, well, that one would be. Um, Summer Bloom, but I'm not going to pick that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to pick Gorio's Vengeance. Gorio's Vengeance, really? Gorio's Vengeance. There was some t- before all the Summer Bloom talk came up mm-hmm. about it being banned and being too good. Mm-hmm. Um, there was talk about the Grishel brand decks being too good. I mean, they've fallen so far out of favor, though. They have, but I think it limits the legendary creatures. Like, it's a... Mm-hmm. We don't see two-mana reanimate spells anymore. And oh, it's, yeah. it's an instant speed two-mana reanimate spell. Mm-hmm. Even if it exiles at end of turn, you still do your thing. Mm-hmm. So, we don't see that. Yeah. And anytime any sort of good legendary creature gets printed, mm-hmm. it becomes contender for, for this deck. Like, obviously, I don't think we're going to see a lot more better than Grizzlebrand himself. kind of hard to beat that. I mean, but, Wizards has been shying away from the... Uh, Shuffle back into library when you hit grave thing. Exactly. So it it starts to be like an issue that um mm-hmm. that w- reason why pot was banned because you can only print so many good creatures before that yeah. deck literally gets to play every good creature. That makes sense in some way. But I mean, it's it's also pushed them to make big creatures good in other ways than just having them on the battlefield. Like with both uh, Kozilek and Ulamog on uh, the new battle in the new Zendikar set, uh, they have cast triggers. Right. And I but the thing is that's mostly an Eldrazi thing. It is true. That has shown up as an Eldrazi thing. So, so while I agree that cast triggers does make it difficult for them to reanimate get the value out of, mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to see that often. Personally, and I shouldn't even be saying this as a control player, but I think cast triggers are the way to go with big creatures because it, it gives you some uncounterable part of the spell. It gives right. you a reason to play big things even when you know I'll just run it into a counter spell at this yeah, point. Yeah, and I, I love cast triggers. So, I mean, so. I would be fine with just them fixing that problem with cast triggers. I don't think they are, but... Yeah, I mean, they've been doing it more and more, though. It's an Eldrazi thing. But they did it even before that. There was Genesis Hydra. That's true. Yeah. Genesis Hydra was... Yeah, that's yeah. true. So, I mean, it comes down to then, does Wizards want to fix the problem in this way, or do they just want to make it easier to make big creatures? Right. Yeah. And I think, honestly, the fact that this is two mana, it's it's a bit overpowered. It, it, it breaks that uh, turn two modern rule. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I could agree with you there. Yeah. What Good did you stack. pick? 
Uh, well, did you pick Summer Bloom? No, that okay. like I honestly thought the same thing. That's that's obvious. <laughs> it's too no, easy. There's no reason that shouldn't be banned. Yeah, it's a little uh, bit easy. Yeah, the thing I picked were uh, I know I was supposed to pick one, but uh, Choke and Boil. Oh, the, 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 the ninth of edition course. Of cards. Yeah, the Island yeah, Gate cards. I know, I know, I Man. know. Honestly, if I could just ban all of ninth edition or eighth edition, that would be fine. But they are unfair Magic cards. They are cards that warp formats, and I would go as far to say Blood Moon as well, but I'm not going to because I know I'd get enough backlash for that. The thing is, I like these. I like Blood Moon. Blood Moon is fine. Blood Moon is almost balanced. I like the fact that we have cards where you just can't play like five four color good stuff. Like you have to manage your mana base against these cards. I like. Uh, non-basic, non-basic deterrent cards. Yes, I agree. I don't like cards that punish you for playing one color. Yeah. So, so I, I can see choke and boil. Yeah. I definitely think the the hate was a little strong. It's it's nigh unbeatable. It's like so absolutely punishing. And obviously, it comes from an earlier part of Magic where that's more acceptable to do. Like you're looking at more blue was too good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Where blue was too good and needed an answer like that, but nowadays it's 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 a deterrent from playing one color. I agree. That's, that's a bit too much. I agree. I think the fact that it can just hose an entire decks built around a certain color, mm-hmm. and you you just can't play islands. It's like you can't play solely islands. You'll die to those two cards. Yeah, it's it's way too punishing. And now we can move on, jury. What is one card that you would like to see unbanned? Uh, Sword of the Meek. <laughs> Now, I've talked to you about this before, and I still don't understand why in the world do you want Sword of the Meek unbanned? I honestly just like the card. I like, and I like Thopter Foundry. You like the Thopter Foundry combo? Yeah, it's like, the thing is, it's not even like a game-winning, it's not Splinter Twin. It's not a game-winning combo. You don't just play Thopter Foundry and Sword of the Meek and win the game. That's not how this this works. It's just a, a very, very, very good synergy. Yeah, so for those who don't know the combo, Thopter Foundry is pay one, uh, sacrifice an artifact, put a 1-1 one, one Thopter onto the battlefield. Sword of the Meek reads, um, if it's in the graveyard, whenever a 1-1 one, one creature enters the battlefield, you may return it to the graveyard and attach to that creature. So you can basically make as many Thopters as you have mana. Mm-hmm. And it also gains you a life each time. Yes, it also gains you a life. Yeah. So it's very, very hard to fight against. Yeah, so you basically you basically don't win yeah. at the point at which they assemble this unless they're already close to dead. Yeah, or you're a Splinter Twin deck. Or you're Splinter Twin and already have the better combo. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't know. I guess I could see this, but the thing is, it's not like it's ever being unbanned to be just played as a value card. If it were ever unbanned, it would just go right into the combo deck and nowhere else. That's true, that's true. Um... It wouldn't really open up the format more. It would yeah. just get this deck back into play. And, I don't know, maybe we are at the point where this isn't too good of a combo for Modern. Maybe it's, it's something that could be ex- acceptable in the format. Right, and we, it's not like people aren't already playing Artifact Hate. We have Affinity still a deck, will yeah. be a deck. So exactly, oh, it's an odd choice though. Like it's just such an odd combo to bring back. I like the combo. I don't play that deck. Yeah, that would be it would be a fun deck to play. I'm not gonna lie. Any guess what the card I would want unbanned is? 
I don't even know what all the cards banned are. Well, there's uh, Sword of the Meek, apparently. Yep, there's Sword of the Meek. There's then, Birthing Pod. Yeah. There's Treasure Cruise. I want Birthing Pod. No, I don't want Birthing Pod on band. So there's a little planeswalker. Jace? By the name of Jace. You want Jace on band? I think it could make modern a very interesting format. For who? For blue players. <laughs> so why don't we just unban Choke and Boil? No, 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 no. And... Oh, we banned Choke and Boil, sorry. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we unban Jace. That seems like a good format. The thing is, Control doesn't have good options as far as card advantage goes. And Jace is a good option. Jace is a good option. Yes, that's not... That's not false. He's not... I mean, he's four mana. That is an expensive spell for Modern. Any deck that wants to invest in a four mana card that's made to get you value over time, there aren't many of those decks in, in blue at the moment. A lot of the control decks are currently scared out of the format because you just can't run good control in a format that's so uneasy. You can't prepare for everything. Yeah. So I think giving them more power would be the way to go. I agree on your stance that it's hard to play control because you can't deal with everything. The format's too diverse. I don't know if unbanning Jace is a solution. I think it would help. I mean, what what other deck would it go in? Twin, maybe? I don't know. Like, Twin rarely... Like, nowadays, control decks and even Twin decks are playing Ravnica Jace. Just because they need something in that slot. Are they playing Ravnica Jace? They're just playing Ravnica Jace. I don't think I've ever seen a deck play Ravnica Jace. Oh, they're, they're just really? playing Ravnica Jace. Yeah. If you say so. Yeah. It's it does host a Sivarax arc. Exactly. There's there's always that. Yeah. But I don't know. I think that control decks and, and longer game decks need more power. I agree, but I, I still don't know how I feel about Jace being unbanned. Like maybe we could unban Jace and just to make it fair, also unban Bloodbraid. I don't know how that makes things level fair. things out. It levels things out. Does it? Yeah. But does it? Yeah. Red Raid Elf just always kills Jace. Always kills Jace. Yeah, most of the time. Always, most of the time. Yeah. That's how I feel about the format. Alright. I, I agree on your feelings on the format. I don't agree with your solution. Fair enough. I'm, I'm glad we could have this talk, Jerry. Yeah. It, it, I'm sh- it has proven very interesting uh, to see how wrong you are. Well, at least I wasn't the person who recommended banning Choke and Boil and unbanning Jace. I think that would be a format I would play. Yeah. In any case, that is all we have for the first part of our show. Yep. So we'll see you guys after the break. So here we are. At wow. Um, Dang, Jerry. Here we have Jake. Jake, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Jake. That's Jake. Uh, I'm not from State Farm. I'm from... Uh, we got the wrong one. Yeah, we're going to have to put you back. Galaxy Games. Hi. Ah, so you're the, the well-known streamer of Galaxy Games, Jake. Yeah, well... Yeah. <laughs> Don't put yourself down. You're, you're famous by now. Yeah. 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 Okay. You guys are very convincing. So Jake is, is an old-time friend of ours, and we asked him on the show today. Uh, and, Jake, we have a very specific set of questions that we ask everyone on the show. I'm ready. You ready? I'm, like, I'm half-focused because like, I have like people texting me, and it's important. But That's yes, good. I'm here. Okay. okay. Uh, so, so can I explain, like, actually? Yeah, yeah, please okay, go into so what you do. Quick, quick little ex- uh, explanation. Galaxy Games has been branching out into doing more stuff, so... 
Uh, it started with the podcast Judge and Jury, which has uh, been really that's good. Us. Oh yeah, I've and, heard of them. And I, I actually, I actually listen to it whenever I get the chance. Oh, that's I actually really enjoy it. Uh, now available on iTunes. I, yeah, true. I was on one earlier, but y'all haven't posted that one yet. By yeah. this one, when we're recording this one, but in the future. Uh, yep. Uh, I was yelling at them about Mid- uh, Magic the Gathering Online. I am a, I'm actually a pretty like seasonal Magic the Gathering Online player, mm-hmm. a Midco player. Um, I play standard here and there. I was really prominent during Magic the Standard, and uh, but I'm on the stream team. Nice. With Nelson and whoever else wants to join, and we do streams. Trying to do streams every week. Oh wow! And uh, about just stuff. And, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So what's the what's the Twitch link for that? So the Twitch link is Galaxy Games. So Twitch.tv forward slash Galaxy Games Deland. If you search Galaxy Games on Twitch, you will find it. We try to stream uh, every Friday night, and it's usually me and Nelson. Or me, it's usually me X. Okay. Whoever's around. Yeah, whoever's yeah. around. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, Nelson isn't the most, uh, pro, well, he's not the best Magic player, and I... You were looking for a kind way to say that, <laughs> and I just was, gave up. Uh, and then, uh, <laughs> I'm decent when it comes to stuff like that, but I do make a lot of pretty funny mistakes, which oh, that's good. we'll probably talk about at some point. Oh yeah. So... Yep, that's me. So. Hey, do you want to run through the gambit of these questions? All right, feed him the first one, Jerry. All right, Jake, <coughs> State Farm, what is your favorite color? Well, funny enough, I'm colorblind. <laughs> so I, I'm very limited. Um, so you can't do red or green? I can't see. I can't do green and blue. Green and blue, sorry. I get green and blue mixed up. I can't see green. The green cones of my eyes, no. You're Simic colorblind. I am yeah, Simic colorblind. Um, so my actual favorite color is red. Mm. Um and um, why why red? What attracts you to red? It. Well, I get, one I can see it, and also this has nothing to do with magic. Uh, I am a big baseball fan. Mm. I love the Chicago Cubs, and they got red. It's red blue, but I like red. Fair um, enough. And I like blue too. But. So then, more importantly, what is your favorite magic color? Sure. Favorite magic color? Fourteen to sixteen. If you had to choose just like one, just one. Yes. I would probably do mono. I didn't realize I wasn't talking about that. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I would, pro- I would probably do mono white. Mono white? Mono white. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I like that type of deck. A brother in arms. Boo. I would like to add green and probably red at some point. Oh, God. But so what? Yep. what is that? Green, white, red. red. Is that anything? Um, I think it's I, I think it's Jeskai green. Oh, yeah. Minus blue, yeah. Yeah, uh, no, uh, hydrophobic Jeskai Green. Yeah, of, of, of course we kid, but you're a you're a Naya boy through and through. I am. Yeah, yeah. That is the colors that speaks to you. There's nothing better am, than a Loxodon Smiter. I am actually, if I had to align my, align myself with some type of shard wedge guild, mm-hmm. it would actually be Celestia. Really? I would not. I mean, I love Naya. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but I prefer Celestia. Okay. And it's just like bare. Oh yeah. So, good stuff. Uh, what was the very first deck that you ever made? Well, oh yeah. Uh, I act- it's really funny because I obviously I actually know a lot about the cards we draft since we do cube a lot of the times or older drafts. Mm-hmm. But I am not. I'm actually a really new Magic player. I mm. came in around Dragon's Maze. Okay. Actually, Dragon's Maze pre-release. So newish. Yeah. Uh, pretty new. Uh, that is my favorite set. Mm-hmm. As I have a pre-release pack sitting with me. <laughs> As you opened a pre-release pack. With an advent of the word, mind you. Uh, sh- 
When you try hard enough, the, the Dragon's Maze pre-release packs come to you. All right. But, but anyway, um, so I came around there. The first deck I bought was mm-hmm. the green-white intro deck. Oh, of course. So I love the mechanic locker. Mm-hmm. So I attempted to build my own populate deck. Okay. Um, and at the time, I was researching Magic to figure out how to play it, and I came across um, a video of a guy doing what I didn't understand, Block Constructed. Oh, okay. Because that was the pro tour at the time. Yeah, yeah. It was Block Constructed, but it was Green White Tokens Block Constructed. Mm. So I tried to build that deck as close as I could. However, it had Voice of Resurgence. A little bit pricey. And Shocks. And at the time, I was not like, I'm going to go this far into Magic. So I built this uh, Green White Tokens... Uh, okay, very, very nice. Yep. So you've, you've really stuck with Selesnya through and through. I Every format that comes up, I will. The first deck I build is Selesnya. Jesus. It doesn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out when Ravnik is not in standard, there aren't so many Selesnya pieces. It's true. Um, but, uh, yeah. You can try. There, there was the Selesnya aggro at the end of the Theros Return of Ravnik of Law. That's true. And, that's what, and I played that. That was the <laughs> first deck I... Well, I built that deck before it like it became mainstream, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. And I lost my first Eminem. Eminem. I lost Eminem. my first Eminem right <laughs> after the Reese's Pieces. <laughs> <laughs> I lost my first Eminem. Eminem again. I lost my first Friday night with it, and I was really discouraged. Oh yeah. Um, and I was like, this is stupid. Then I watched the Pro Tour, and a guy gets second place. With my exact same list. And I was oh, like, this yeah. is bogus. So then I went to game day and I won game day. Ooh. That's a, that's a good so it was, it was, yeah. a, it was the next day, too, which was really nice. Wow. So, uh, that's a great way to start. Sure. Uh, what was the question? I forgot. <laughs> your first deck. The first deck. Oh, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you covered it pretty well. Yeah. But, yeah. So maybe you've already answered this, but what is your favorite magic block? My favorite magic block. If I had to pick. Like set like one thing. Mm-hmm. I, I take dragons. Mm-hmm. However, okay. Now block. Can that count like stuff like modern masters one and two? Because it's I would, not a block. Well, like I would consider it like a single modern masters. Because I, it's I would, a supplementary set. I would pick modern masters too because I draft. That's really, the most drafted set I've done. Okay, and we'll, I will let you sneak that in. So there. I really enjoyed modern masters. Too. That's fine. And you enjoyed drafting it, you said. Yes, very much so. I, I did really well. You know what you know what is an archetype in Modern Masters too? Green white tokens. I've never played I've never been able to draft that deck really? That's such a shame. Isn't that the one that you- Draft all the time. Yeah, yeah, that deck's amazing. For some reason, I have this weird luck with Modern Masters 2 where I will end up getting past all the blue-white artifact decks. Oh, okay. And I kick butt with it. Well, if it's open, then that's what you want to do. There was a day, and I will hold this, that I did. I went 3-0 in five drafts in a row on Magic Online Jesus. in one day. Was it all with blue-white artifacts? That's crazy. <laughs> yes. It was insane. And, like, the first game I technically forced it because I read about it. Mm. The rest it was just nasty. Yeah. And that's the best way to draft that, for sure, and, and just stay open. Yeah, that's how I got a foil Ember pool and a foil on Vendilia uh, Click. Dang. Yeah. Decent pools. Yep. To say the least. Pretty good. Yeah. So, yeah. So, do you want to talk a little bit about more about drafting? Well, 
Megan, like, the draft you did tonight? That sounded interesting. Well, have, have you guys discussed what drafting really is? Yeah, yeah, we had a, we had a podcast okay. on cubing. On cubing. Well, well, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, let me explain quickly. Draft is a format, it's a limited format where you build 40 card decks. Uh, and what it is, you get each person, it's eight people, each person has three packs. You have one, you take one card, and you pass it to your left. And then you do that repeatedly, and then you switch direction when you switch a pack and whatever. And then you try to build a deck out of just picking cards. There's a lot of strategy into it, and there's a lot of individual decks you can build based on the cards in the pool. And it's a lot of locks sometimes, but it's a lot of fun. Nice. Um, you guys mentioned Cube, which is almost like a super draft. It's like a very fun way to do drafts. Um, Magic Online is a great place to play a lot of different cubes. For sure. And that's where I, I mostly go. Mm-hmm. So tonight on our stream, we uh, Magic Online uh, just came out with a Legacy Cube. Good stuff. Um, and I enjoy Cube a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I was off the high of doing Vintage Cube. Mm-hmm. So we're, uh, last two weeks ago, we did Mirrodin. Yes. And it was... We did mono. We forced mono stormcrow. <laughs> Jesus. What is what is mono stormcrow? If there's a stormcrow in the pack, we take it. Oh. Oh, that was that was the eighth edition. Oh, right? that was yeah, eighth yeah, edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did it. Okay, we did we did we did eighth edition. My yes, bad. yes. We try. I tried to single singly record Mirrodin. Yeah. And Magic Online crashed eight times. You're telling me Magic Online's bad? It sucks. I what? What? I will say that, and I like. <laughs> Play a lot on Magic Online. Mm-hmm. You're saying it's not just a flawless, perfectly functioning program? I wish. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. It is terrible. The interface is disgusting to look at, and it just doesn't work. Sadly. And Very so, sadly. and it's really weird. But anyway. Um, so today we did Legacy Cube, and uh, Legacy Cube is a very fun but balanced cube to do. Yeah, like, I, I, I recently did a bunch of Vintage Cube, and coming into Legacy Cube, it was pretty refreshing uh, in terms of the balance. It's still a very, very powerful format, but it does not feel broken. You're not getting turn one boxes into game. Yep. Um, it's, yeah. Uh, I, my favorite play was... Uh, Turn one black. Uh, turn one black lotus. Turn one island. That just mind filter. GG. Win game. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty good. It was pretty impressive. Uh, and so, but this is a fun cube because you could build basically. I like drafting because it's like you're building mini decks. Exactly. And you can kind of build whatever you want if you know what you're doing, mm-hmm. which I love that availability. That's why I kind of didn't like last standard. Oh yeah. Because you had to be black blue X or black white X. Or, yeah, black white X. And I hate yeah. So. Uh, this you get to build popular standard decks. So you could build elves. You could build, uh, I don't know, Delver. You could build uh, lands. You can play Dark Depths. You can build a combination of any of these you, things. You really can. You could play Reanimator. Yeah, there's Reanimation uh, in my burn deck. There's Show and Tell in this Dark Depths deck. Yeah. yeah. So, and it's uh, it's really fun. So what did you end up drafting this time? Well, um... Tonight I ended up drafting uh, a blue-black reanimation draft. Huh. Okay. And uh, with show and tell. Okay. Sure. Because that came in. And and I, so you took the Thespian stage early? Did you end up finding Dark Depths? We took Thespian stage, uh, and I believe the uh, Hex Mage, mm. whatever, the yeah, Vampire Hex Mage. Vampire Hex yeah. Mage. 
uh, that came up, and I took that as well. But there was no Dark Depths. Oh, this so is sad. The third time I've attempted to try to get the pieces for Dark Depths. What a shame! I've always gotten those two and nothing else. You know, you always see the pieces going around when you don't take them. Yeah, um, it just never works. Yeah. So today it was it was a lot of fun. This deck was. Power level, I'd probably get it a B minus. A B minus, not bad. It was not bad, but it was missing some no. core stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it just didn't have a strong backbone. When it worked, it was amazing. When yeah. It, when it, it like staggered a little bit, or if you had like just even a counter spell or right place, mm-hmm. it just kind of fell apart. It was, a, it was very fragile. Yes. Yeah. So, um, uh, and so. Yeah, so that's what we do. I ended up going 1-2, uh, unfortunately. Woo! That's so, get, get there. The one game was because of the buy. Oh, yeah! Uh, We've been two, there. Well, the two games I've lost, I did win one of the games in each of them. And the reasons why I lost ended up being, being a funny things. Okay. So well, what happened? Well, the uh, first game, I missed... I misread how Sundering Titan worked. Oh, you told me about this. And yes. also, it was because of interface stuff, and it was really weird. I'll blame Magic on that. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I ended up blowing up my own lands. You, you, what was it? You reanimated your... No, you show and tell. I show and tell, and they play, and they show and tell a, a Frost Titan mm-hmm. and tapped it down, so I was locked out. And your, your response to this was, oh, okay, that's fine, I'll just blow up all of my own lands. <laughs> <laughs> I hit the panic button pretty hard. <laughs> And so, uh, but then the next game I won with actually the same thing, Sundering Titan blowing up their lands correctly. Mm. Last game, I ended up doing show and tell something I can't remember, and they ended up playing Crystal Dad. Uh, hard to race that. And just, yeah, just kind of took over the game. So. Seems like show and tell wasn't the best in that matchup. <laughs> no, but it was just a good way to do it, and it was just bad. It was just bad. Good stuff. Yeah, so, and then I got the buy in the second round. The third round, I uh, I lost. The last one I lost by on a Hail Mary reanimate. Mm-hmm. They were all tapped out, and they had force as well. Oh. And it was just like, uh, I was so mad. And, and if you watch the recording, I literally start yelling. I, I was just so... Oh, that's what that was. I was... I, well... The telltale sign they have a force will is you look at their life and it pings down, you're screwed. Yeah. And you just know at that point. And so and that's what happened. Um, yeah. And the other one was uh, I think it's four four one in my favor. Or no, it's yeah. four two. I killed myself with uh Phyrexian Arena. You see you don't want to do that. Nope. That's, that's, that's a bad choice. Yeah, yeah, I was so, like, so, I was so close. close. That's what Jerry does though. No, no. And then what it was was I was down on life. I did show and tell, put in Sheldon. Sheldon? Mm-hmm. Sheldon? Sheldon? You put in Sheldon. Put in Sheldon. And then she play or he or she, I don't know. It's a she. No, no, no. The no. other player oh, okay. I was playing it. Uh, he show and tell, or she show and tell, a six mana artifact guy that exiles a card that gains power and toughness oh, equal to that card. Ah, duplicate. And took my Sheldon. Oh, Sheldon. He was not made for this world. And I was. I was. Really? Uh, I, was, I was upset. It was just bad. Well, that's the way it goes. You know, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. You draft a decent deck, and you just get the, the block beat out of you. That basically. is true. Um, yeah. I did go 3-0 earlier today oh, nice. with a rather amazing deck um, that was Grix's Control. Okay. And I ended up picking up Splinter Twin and Zebra Exarch Lake. Oh, so you are just playing the modern deck. I was pretty... You were just playing modern uh, But with... Um, 
Bullets. Nickel Bullets. Oh, okay. Dragon Lord Salomon. My one story I love. So I was playing the guy. He had, I had, I killed all of his stuff. He's struggling. He's a rant deck. He's struggling to get something out. He gets out a Nissa from Origins and plays it like flips it. And I had to go through it. Like, this is fine. I take Nissa and I get to make a dude. And it's going to be great. And I was like, I hope he doesn't minus two make a creature. Mm-hmm. That would be bad because then I have to kind of kill him in this way. Yeah. So he plus one. Oh. He, he reveals the top card of his library and he draws it, or it puts it on the battlefield. So he reveals it, and it was a card. Oh. So the thing and he had enough energy to play it. So we played it plus two card up to ten, or plus four card up to ten. Exiled a Splinter Twin in my hand that was just hanging out. Yep. And I was like, so I can do that fast enough. I do that. Oh, yeah. Steal his card. Oh, exile, better. Exile his Nissa. God. And so he was he was he was a great guy by the way. He, oh, chat, he was he was happy in the chat. He was like, Oh my gosh, that's such a blowout. I was like, I know, it was pretty disgusting. Draws play something. Next card I draw. Can you guys guess what the next card I draw was? I don't know what gets better from stealing someone's card. Hester might. No. They play they play a uh, the zero four two drop artifact that can redirect stuff. Yes, yeah. okay. I draw a um a Nick Bolas. Ah! <laughs> and, and, and I just play, it's about to get worse. And he's just, I text or type that dude, and he's just like, oh no. And I play, he's like, oh my gosh. So I end up stealing his. Just take the thing. Yeah, just, well, just take it. Just take it. Your yeah. thing's mine. And yeah. I just, I wrecked his day. Well, not sure. I put in two guys. I get my opponent's best stuff on the board. So, yep, that's. That's the one thing I love about Cube is you end up coming out with these amazing stories that are hilarious or like really sorry. So if there was one tip you could give to Cube players out there, what would it be? Don't, uh, well, okay. Don't or do. So Magic Online Cube, Mm -hmm. try to be in blue. Yeah. Solid advice. blue and the older cards are pretty good. It's a little insane. Every time I have drafted a non-blue deck, I usually went over and blue. It's blue. It's all in the blue. It's really good. Yeah. Blue-red is really strong. Nice. Um, don't try to... I mean, this is a general rule to anything. Don't try to force anything. Yeah. Pick up the cards you want, or you see, and then pick up the cards you need. It's better to grab a... Yeah, and good deck that you right. and it's the deck you wanted to play. Yeah. Right. And don't um don't short yourself on colors. Like usually I I stay away from black when I play any type of decks, but mm-hmm. yeah. I just play with a black deck because it's open. Yeah. And also don't don't this is the one big tip that helped me become a better cube player and drafter. Mm-hmm. Don't try to cut cards. Oh. It is way better to pick a card that you might play rather than try to cut a card that you have no chance of playing at all and just getting it. It's I guess that makes sense. It's really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. You just want to have flavors. Yeah, that's, that's what I kind of find. You never know when we'll come okay. You honestly never do. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Jake. Yeah, thank you, Jake. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'll, maybe I'll have you two on. Oh, hey. Cross promotion. We can do a, a family stream. Nice. Galaxy Games family stream. That would be nice. Yeah, let's do that. Um, well, yeah. as always, I'm Judge. I'm Jerry. And I'm Jake. Have a good night, everyone. Triple J's.